You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Okay, so selfie. Selfie. A little weird word, right? In 2013, it was the Oxford Dictionary's Word of the Year, meaning that you know, it was pretty new on the scene then, and everybody was starting to say it, but it's really grown in popularity, I guess you could say, over the, over the past four or five years. I mean, everybody's just seemingly doing it, or, you know, you're seeing them everywhere, these selfies. Just in case, though, you don't know what one is, let me give you a definition, okay? Here's the definition of selfie. A photograph that one has taken of oneself, typically one taken with a smartphone or webcam and shared via social media. I know some of you are probably saying that's not, it's not typically, that's what it is. Yeah, that pretty much is the definition of what a selfie is. If you still don't get it, maybe you're not into the whole, you know, the whole smartphone selfie taking thing, you know, yet. Let me just tell you, it, it's like instead of handing your phone to somebody and say, would you take my picture? You actually just hold it up and take it yourself, okay? That's what a selfie is. Not a big deal. So I think think most everybody knows what one is. But to get to the real nitty-gritty of what a selfie is inside and out, okay? To get to the real nitty-gritty, let's go to an expert. And I don't mean an expert on selfies, but I mean kind of an expert on just just how things are going, you know, and how things things are. And and, uh, this guy's a, he's a, he's an author, Somewhat, he's kind of a Twitter author, the satirist, you could say, in some way. The church curmudgeon, y'all ever read any of his stuff? Here's what he says. He explains it this way. They call it a selfie because narcissisty is too hard to spell. (laughs) But that is is exactly what the spirit of selfie is. I mean, it's all about you. I mean, it's narcissistic to the core, okay? That's, that's what it is. Okay, so, so while, while the jury is still out in your heart and mind over whether selfies are, are, are good or bad, let me just throw a few more things your way, okay? A few things for you to consider. Let, let's go to some selfie facts, all right? First of all, 62% of U.S. adults have taken a selfie. Now, not talking about millennials, just millennials. If you just, if you just say 25 years of age and younger, and younger I'd say probably... Every one of them has taken a selfie at some time. You know, I, I, I was thinking as we were starting this, I was thinking, I, I don't even know if I've ever taken a selfie. And I thought, yeah, I've taken them with my grandkids. And yeah, Dave and I, we, we, we did that a couple of times last year in Washington, D.C., you know, in front of something, you know, that, you know, instead of asking somebody to take our picture, we did that a couple of times. So yeah, I, I would be in the 62% as well, you know, that, yeah, I've, I've taken a few selfies. Okay, so, so a lot of us fit in that category because it's the next fact. of selfie takers say they take up to 15 pictures before uploading or sending the one first picture. They take 15, nope, that doesn't look good. Nope, that one doesn't, and do it again. That's what they do. 15 of them, 15 pictures before they get the right, because if I'm going to put this out on the internet for everybody to see for eternity and eternity, as long as there is an internet, I want it to show me in the best light it can, right? That's the thought right there. The next fact. Uh, duck face selfies. Y'all know what those are? Would somebody stand up and just show it? No, I'm joking. Okay. Duck face selfies perform one 
Now get this number right here, okay? 1,112% better than just regular old selfies. Now, mine was a regular old selfie. Dave and I didn't do duck face, okay? If you don't know what duck face is, just look around for somebody about 20 years younger than you and ask them. They'll show you right now, okay? D but I got a question. Somebody help me with this. What does the word perform really mean in that sentence? What does it really mean for a selfie to perform? <laughs> yeah, how, how do you gauge that? What, is, what does that mean? But you know what it points to? What it points out to me is this, this, this thought. Is that when we do this, you know, we're, we're not just sharing a picture. Hey, just wanted you to know. No, we're actually wanting something back from the selfie. We want it to perform. We want it to do something. We want it to give something. We want it to uh, do something for us. We're expecting for it to perform, whatever that means. Next fact. A Canadian study found people who take selfies tend to overestimate how good-looking they are. <laughs> okay, uh, I, can't read all, I can't read these without just, I'm a visual person, so I'm thinking, how did they figure this out? Somewhere in Canada, there was a room full of people sitting around monitors, you know, and they were saying, so, mm -mm, that girl ain't near as good-looking as she thinks she is, right? You know, that's what they're saying. I mean, they're having to, to, to estimate this, you know, somebody says she thinks she's an eight, but she's just a six. And they're recording all this and writing all this down, you know, and, and, and all this has got to be, you know, pulled together and all the facts. And, and, and they come up to the conclusion that this is actually a study that people who take selfies and post selfies overestimate how good looking they are, you know. So that says a little something about us as well, doesn't it? Next fact. In recent years, more people die from taking selfies than from shark attacks. Yeah, maybe you've seen some of them, but people trying to get the ultimate selfie have put themselves in harm's way, put themselves in danger just to get that ultimate selfie. So what, what, is, what is this thing, what is th this selfie thing that we do it because we want something back? It, it, it's not just sharing with people a picture, but we want it to perform. We want it, we want it to give something back, so much so that we're willing to put ourselves in danger to get that perfect picture. What is this, this whole phenomenon about? Ne next fact. 1,000 selfies are posted to Instagram. Okay, what do you think? How, how often? 1,000 selfies are posted to Instagram every 10 seconds. Every 10 seconds. Since I started reading that, 1,000 selfies were posted to Instagram. 1,000 every 10 seconds. Next, next fact. Millennials are expected to take over 25,000 selfies in their lifetime. If you're a millennial, if you're under the age of 20-something, you know, you're expected to take 25,000 selfies in your lifetime. Now, that doesn't mean, hey, we expect you to do this. If you don't do it, you're not measuring up. That's not what we mean. What we mean is we just think that's what you're going to do. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. You're, you're just going to take 25,000. You're just so into this. This is going to be one of the things. This is going to be one of the, your generation things. You're going to take 25,000 selfies in your lifetime. And the last one, I think it's the last one. According to research, millennials spend an average of seven minutes taking one selfie. One selfie. Seven minutes for one selfie. That means every 10 seconds, 1,000 people have taken seven minutes, 7,000 minutes to post a selfie. <laughs> And do you know why it takes so long? Well, now Dave and I, we didn't go through all this. But these people that take seven minutes to post a selfie, 
they're the ones that said, okay, here's why it takes so long. Okay, here's why, th this is what they said they, they do while they're taking a selfie and why it takes seven minutes. Because, <laughs> first of all, you got to think about, you know, am I going to use a filter here? And you can think about it later, but, you know, if you, you can use it first. And you got to take the picture. And then you've got to edit the picture. And then while you're editing the picture, you realize that your makeup isn't exactly right, so you got to go back to step two, right, and take another picture. Now, I, I'm not making this up. This is what they say, is you realize something isn't right, and so you always have to go back and take another picture. And then you have to edit that picture. And then you've got to come up with a, a, a caption of some kind, and you've got to get it just right because you want it to be funny or maybe deep. But listen, there aren't a lot of deep <laughs> selfies out there, okay? Not a lot of meaningful, deep ones that make you think, okay? But, uh, it, you know, you want to come up with a good caption. And maybe even a few of them have an emoji thrown in there somewhere. And definitely you need to consider some kind of hashtag. That's why it takes seven minutes to post a selfie. Not, that's not what I say. That's what these people who were surveyed said they take that long to post a selfie. That's what they say. So what are you saying, Pastor? Jury's still out in your mind and heart. Are selfies good or selfies bad? Listen, selfies aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with taking a picture of yourself and letting everybody see where, you know, you went on vacation. There's nothing wrong with those. Selfies in and of themselves aren't bad. Like a lot of things in this world that in and of themselves aren't bad until you become obsessed or until you are doing it for a purpose that is unhealthy. You know, and when you start doing that, then yes, there's psychologists say this. If you take more than one or two selfies a day, post more than one or two selfies a day, then there may be an underlying problem that you need to look at in your life. You see, and here's the thing. To, in this sermon series, I'm not wanting, you know, we're not, we're not talking about just taking selfie pictures. We're using it as a jumping off spot. We're using it as this, this selfie phenomenon. We're, we're using this selfie phenomenon to point out some of the other things that we're all dealing with in life. Okay? The, the narcissistic or the selfie culture. It's not that, because selfies aren't the problem, okay? That's not the problem. Selfies are a symptom, like the psychologists are telling us. Nothing wrong with a selfie, but if you're doing it all the time, if you're every day, you're doing more than one or two, then you need to look and see if there's a problem, if there's a situation. If, if you're seeking to perform, to do something for you, what does that mean? That there's something missing in my life that I'm believing this selfie is going to somehow give me? It's going to perform for me. Wasn't that the word that was used? That I get something back from it. That there's something that is there. That I'm willing to put my life in danger. Crawl out on a ledge somewhere. You know, play chicken with a train. But this is how people have died trying to do this. What is it that is inside of us? That is that, what is it that we're dealing with? What is it that is, that is happening around us in, in our individual lives or in our culture that we're dealing with that is causing this selfie phenomenon to be what it is today? So this, that's, that's, what, that's what this sermon series is really all about. But I, we want to have some fun with it too with the selfie. So I hope you'll take one this week. This selfie culture... It's something that Paul addressed when he spoke to Timothy through a letter. Uh, Timothy was one of his protégés that he had left to, to pastor a church. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's read this. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy. Verse, the first one and a half verses of that chapter. 
Paul says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. He said, Timothy, you need to know this. Difficult times come. They're coming because people are only going to love themselves and their stuff. People are only going to love themselves and their stuff, their money. They're, they're going to put themselves and their stuff in front of everything else in life. And this is going to cause difficult times. Is that what it says? Yeah, it says, yeah, there are going to be difficult times because of that. Because of that. For people. That word for means because of. There are going to be difficult times because there's going to be a culture of selfishness. There's going to be a culture of narcissism because people are only going to be concerned, number one, about themselves and their stuff, their money. They're only, and that's going to cause difficult times. Does it? Yes. Yes. I can tell you as a pastor who's had to do his more counseling than I probably want to do, I can tell you that yes, selfishness and narcissism causes great problems. It causes problems in relationships. It causes problems with budgets. You know, when your money is important and all your stuff is important, it'll cause problems with your budget, with your finances. When you and your stuff is the most important, it'll cause problems. Everywhere you turn, you're going to run into problems because of that kind of a, an attitude where you and your stuff is number one. Jesus turned all this around, and, and actually this is the way it always was. We just didn't really get it until he said it, and most of us still don't get it today. Is the way to get there is to put yourself down the priority list. To start looking out for someone else's good more than just looking out for your own. That the more you look out for yourself, the more you actually end up more and lost. And you know what? You know how that happens? It ha happens through this selfie culture. Okay, so that's, that's what we're getting to. Let, let, let me take you on a little side road here for just a quick second. Let, let me talk to you just about a little bit of, may, maybe a little bit of a cure for the selfie culture. A little bit of a cure for narcissism. Now, the ultimate cure obviously would be how God can change your life. But even if, even if you're aren't, you aren't a follower of Christ today, let me, let me just give you a little bit of a cure for the narcissism that it just seems to be growing exponentially in our society. Take you to a scripture from the book of Psalms. And God impressed the psalmist to write this in one of his psalms. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 through 4. And the psalmist is speaking to God, and he says, When I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, God, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings that you should care for them and there are other scriptures throughout the Bible that kind of talk about this about how amazing everything is that God has created why does God even give us a thought come on think about it. And, and I think maybe this would knock us down a few notches when we realize this you know that what are we you know what are we a little bit of dust for 70 80 maybe if you're blessed 90 years that then when you die we go back to being dust and so we're just, on this earth, we're just specks, every one of us, one speck out of seven or eight billion specks of dust on this earth. Just, we're just one little speck of dust. And, and, and when we think about this, then we say, well, why, why would God even give us the time of day? Why would he even think about this? And so to realize that maybe we're not, maybe we're not as awesome as we try to make our selfie pictures look. Maybe we're not as, as, as amazing as, as we want everybody to believe. 
Not as wise as, you know, as we steal somebody's quote and we put it on Facebook, it was ours. You know, maybe we're not as wise as we want everybody to believe. When we look at that and we think about, look at, look at about all the amazing things that God has created. Oh, oh, I know. You say, yeah, but we were created in the image of God. Yeah, I think we were created in his image. But I don't know that we're living in his image. Because we're not living this awesome dream that he has for our lives. And so, so I, I want to challenge you to, to realize, maybe you're not, like what they used to say, maybe you're not all that in a bag of chips. You know? Maybe we aren't as amazing as we think we're. Maybe we aren't. No, I can say, I can go beyond maybe. We are not the center of the universe. We just often are the center of our own universe. But we're not the center of the universe. That we need to realize how, man, sometimes you just look around and think how insignificant we really are in this grand, huge, big scheme of things. Why in the world would God even stop for a moment to think about us or listen to a prayer but that's the point isn't it because that's what it says at the end of that second verse there that's the whole point is we aren't anything we aren't anything amazing we're just we're just dust that he formed and he gave us gifts and we're nothing more amazing than, than that except the fact that God does give us. He does give us those, those times where he does pay attention, where he does hear our prayers, where he does want to speak to us whether we listen or not, and he's still speaking. That is as insignificant and as, and as small of a person as we are in this world, and that God still cares. He cares enough to listen. He cares enough to pay attention. He cares enough to notice everything going on in our lives. That God cares. Yes, that's what the psalmist is saying. Isn't this amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, oh what I know is the psalmist is talking about all human beings, right? He's talking about all mortals. Oh, but he cares. God carries it further than that. I, that was just to get you started into realizing, man, we're, we're just one out of a bunch, and, and we're just one out of his many creations. That's just to get you started. L listen, I, uh, next slide. I got, a, I got four scriptures for you. I, I easily had a dozen scriptures, more scriptures I could have given you, but I, had to I didn't have time to drop them in here, okay? So I'm just going to give you four right here because uh, I, want, I want you to know about the care that God has for you, okay? Let's go to that. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25. This is the psalmist, David, writing. He says, once I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. What David, what David was saying, he just said, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I've seen a lot of good and I've seen a lot of bad, but you know one thing I have never seen? I have never seen God turn his back on his children and even on their children. That's what he is saying is that we can count on God. He's always going to be, that's his care for you. You, you know, you, you might not have it, but it's not God's fault. God has not abandoned you. He's not turned his back on you. He's not walked away from you. David said, I've, all my life, I've noticed, I've watched, and I have never seen his children abandoned. Next scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. That's a huge word for God. That's a, that's a huge word for him. Not just that it's kind of long there. In the, I'm talking, it's a huge word because it explains who he is. He is 
faithful. He is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Some of you are dealing with the spiritual battles. You're, you're dealing with spiritual warfare. You're dealing with uh, situations in your life. I was just talking to the prayer team right before this service about spiritual warfare going on, and, and I was just challenging them and encouraging them. We got to step it up because I don't want anybody to. I don't want anybody to quit. I don't want anybody to slow down because what I believe. I didn't say this first service. Let me throw this at you, okay? Is and I shared this with the prayer team. Is I heard John Kilpatrick say, "Man, this had to be." It's had to be 25 years ago when the Brownville Revival in Pensacola was, was, was really just still kicking and, and going. And I heard him say at, at, at a meeting I went to, to to hear him speak, I heard him say this. He said, you know, Satan, Satan does not know God's mind, and he does not know his plan. So he does not know when God is about to bless you, and he doesn't know how God is about to bless you. So Satan does not know, and he can't, he can't tell when God is about it or, or how God is going to kiss you. But if God is about to kiss you with a blessing, Satan can see him pucker. And I thought about that ever since then. And because I've, I've noticed it, because you know, Satan is more in tune with the spirit realm than you and I are because we're living in the selfie world. Yeah? And we're not even thinking about that. And Satan is seeing all that happen before we even know it. And so when he begins to see God start working, he starts fighting against us to stop us from, from hanging in there to receive that blessing that God wants to kiss us with. But, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil. He sees what the enemy is trying to do to keep you from receiving what you need from him, from God. He's seeing what he's doing, and he will guard you, strengthen you to keep you from the evil one. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, God will keep you, from strong, keep you strong to the end. Some of you, you need strength today? There it is, right there. He'll keep you strong. I need some strength today. I've been sick this week. Went to a conference, came home, got sick. Came home to help take care of sick family members, and they gave it to me. I told my, I told my 10-year-old granddaughter last night, I said, thank you for the gift this week. And she looked at me really funny. I said, you don't know what you gave me? She said, strep throat. And I said, yep, thank you for the gift. You know? And so, you know, I, and I recovered everything except my strength. Man, the first service, that first song, man, I was just jumping in there, and I was, I was man, it was good. And then at the end of the song, I was, I gotta, I gotta slow down here. I need some strength. Anybody, anybody else? Come on, anybody else? Come on. There it is. It's right there. He will keep you strong to the end. <laughs> to the end. There, there's not going to come a point where, where God's going to say, okay, that's all the strength. No, he's going to keep you strong to the end and, uh, so that you will be free from blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. There's a lot of blame being thrown around today. I mean, people accuse you of all kinds of stuff these days. And I'm not just talking about the political realm out there. I'm talking about in here, too. I'm talking about in our lives. You know, we get blamed for all and People accuse you. People question you. People doubt you. You get accused for things that weren't, and you weren't even there that day. You know, stuff like that happens. God says he would. This scripture says God will keep you from blame. To the end, he will strengthen you. To the end, he will strengthen you and keep you from blame all the way to that day, that day when our Lord returns. This is what he says he will do. How? God will do this because he is faithful to do what, there's that word again. He is faithful to do what he says he will do. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's invited you into partnership. There's not the most beautiful animal you can think of in God's creation. He did not invite them into partnership. 
the most, what, what, whatever you think is the most amazing, the most wonderful natural creation of God, the, the most amazing one of the seven wonders of the world or whatever, he did not invite that to be in partnership with him. He invited you. And do you notice how the language has changed? In that previous slide, it was about all mortals, all human beings, and now these are promises to you. These are individual promises. These are promises to us. These are promises to us that, that this, this amazing, awesome God that created us and we're just specks on a planet, that he wants to do all this for me, for me, for me, for you. He wants to do this. Can, can I tell you this? There is no one in this world more capable and more intent on seeing to you and what you need than God himself. And if you're looking for it anywhere else, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking for it in a, another selfie, you're going to be disappointed. I, that's maybe part of next week's sermon, so i got to go on. Psalm chapter 105, verse 8, he always stands by his covenant, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. I, I want to make sure you're reading this right because it almost sounds like it's saying that he made a commitment to a thousand generations. Maybe there should be a comma there after the word commitment. Is he always stands by his covenant, the commitment, or, or after made, the commitment he made? He always stands by his covenant to a thousand generations. Because, see, when God says something, there is no expiration date on his word. When he makes a promise, it never goes away. If you were promised something last week and you ain't heard from God since, don't worry about it. He said it. It's still in, in, in concrete or even better than that it's still settled and it is done because he is faithful to a thousand generations you know a thousand, a thousand doesn't mean a thousand generations it's going away what that means is eternity it always is and it always will be if, if you were you had a promise given to you ten years ago it's still true today. If, if your mom says that before you were born, God made a, spoke a promise over you, can I tell you something? It's still true today because there is no expiration date on the Word of God. When He says it, it is, and it ever, more, ever, forever, and eternally will be because He is faithful. He is faithful. But, the, but this selfie culture, I took you down a road because I wanted you to understand some things before we get to the end of this here now. This, this, this selfie culture, here's what it'll do to you. It will train you to believe you don't need any of that. That's what it'll do. It'll train you to believe, and I'm not just talking about taking selfies, I'm talking about this selfie culture, this narcissistic culture that the Apostle Paul was talking about in 2, Peter, uh, 2 Timothy chapter, chapter uh, 3, verses 1 and 2. It will train you to believe, I don't really need that. I don't really need God. I, I, I kind of got it figured out. You know what? And, I, and here's really the thing. Here's really the point I think I, I want you to get today. I said I have one thing I want to tell you. Here it is, okay? Is I believe there is nothing more narcissistic than saying to the creator of this universe who holds every promise that you have in need of, who holds every answer to every question, who holds every solution to every problem, I don't think there's anything more narcissistic than for you to look at him and say, I don't need you. That's what I want you to get. That's what I wanted you to hear today. But this, because this selfie culture will tell you exactly that. 
Because, you know, you, you, you can take a picture and you can use a filter and position it just right, you know, to kind of cover up, you know, that blemish on the picture or something. Or maybe you got a blemish somewhere, you know, you, you can use that. And you can do that and all your friends won't see the blemish, right? But you don't even need friends. You don't need God. You don't need friends. You can, use a, you can use a filter and cover up all those blemishes, all those things you don't want everybody else to see, and so everybody will think that you've still got an amazing life. You don't need God. You don't need friends. That's what the selfie culture will te train you to believe. You don't need friends to you know, tell you that, that how to live your life or how to, how to take care of your money so you have more money. You can figure that out. You know, it's your money. You know, because it's one of the top two things in your life, yourself and your stuff, your money. You know, you don't need everybody else. You don't need anybody else. You can use a filter to cover up. And, and, and you don't need God because, yeah, yeah, maybe God can make things a little bit, but you can make things better on your own. You can take the edit tools, you know. You can take the edit tools and you can smooth out those rough corners. You know, you can kind of make things look a little nice and a little smooth and a little more. You can make your life look a little more comfortable where you can just kind of deal with it, you know? You just kind of put up with it. You live with a little, like the smoother. We're not talking about selfie pictures anymore, okay? Y'all got that right? That we figure out ways to just kind of make things smooth so we can get by. To just kind of knock off the rough edges so we can handle it, so we can deal with it, so we can just live with it. Can I ask you a question? What is it that you're just dealing with what is it you're just dealing with Jeremiah 29 11 God says he has an awesome plan for your life that includes a future and a hope what are you just dealing with instead of embracing that because the selfie culture will train us to believe that we can we can hide enough of it from our friends so they don't bother us and, and we can smooth it out enough that we don't actually have to have God and so we don't have to have God, and so we can just act like we have an awesome, amazing life instead of actually having an awesome, amazing life. That's what the selfie culture will train you. And, 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 does anyone fall it? Yeah. Most of us do. Uh, I'd say all of us do at some point in our life. And many of you are there today. Or you're going there real soon. Or you're beginning to believe that. Let, let, me, let me show you this in, in, in a passage of Scripture real quick, if I can. This is in the life of Christ, Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. I want you to help me if you can. I want you to start looking as I'm reading. I want you to see if you can find the weird thing in this passage of Scripture, okay? All right, there's one weird thing I want to point out to you. I want you to see if you can find the weird thing in the Scripture. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery... They lived in a cemetery and were so violent that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, what are you why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into the herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned into the water. Y'all seen it yet? Y'all seen, seen anything weird in the scripture yet? 
the best amen I've heard in a long time. <laughs> the herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone that happened, uh, every, everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. And then the entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. So there's some weird stuff going on in, this ver in, the, in these verses, right? Weird, weird stuff. Demon-possessed men. That's weird. I've never seen two demon-possessed men. I've seen a demon-possessed person. I've never seen two at a time. I, I don't know how you feel about that, that craziness. You, some people think, oh, that's not real or anything. I don't know why people who believe in angels don't believe in fallen angels. I mean, you know, if you believe in angels, then why wouldn't you believe in fallen angels? Because that's what the Bible says they are. You know, so if that happens, and it says it happens here, right here. But that, that's weird, but... I, and maybe I'm not seeing it at that level, but I've seen that. You know, and, and they lived in the in cemetery. Now, that I've not ever seen. I, I maybe I've seen it on TV. I've seen it in movies. Or things. I've never really seen anybody who lived cutting themselves and all kinds of stuff. Never seen that. So that's weird. Pigs? A herd of pigs? Demon-possessed? That's weird. And then they all commit mass suicide by running into the lake? That's weird. But none of that. It's what I consider to be the weirdest thing of this story. None of that. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you, and as always, we dare you to dream.